you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. I've had a question stuck in the forefront of my brain for the last week. And it has been brought to the forefront at every moment and in every meeting and every conversation I have been part of uh, for a week. And it's, uh, it, it might not be profound to you, but it has been profound to me. Uh, which is virtuous? Unity or uniformity? Can't read your faces. I don't know if it feels profound to you. It has been profoundly uh, impactful in me reflecting this week. Uh, is, is the virtue, uh, this thing that God desires our hearts to be shaped and formed by, unity or uniformity? I know our world suggests uniformity is the virtue, that we should uh, make everybody and everything be and act and do just like we are. Our, our very uh, political structure uh, is baked into let's get things as uniform as possible. You, you should uh, you should uh, push away those who are different, and you should uh, exist solely with those who are the same. Our uh, realities of our social groups tend to be uh, places of uniformity. We find uh, uh, an activity, a group, a cause, or something that uh, unites us together uh, because it's the same. We have the same passion, we have the same interest, we have the same desire. But if we ask the question of virtue, which is the church's question, what is our pursuit? And I, I've been struck by this as, uh, as, uh, as we've done uh, studies in the book of Colossians, as we've done a study in church history, and as I come to the story of Acts this week, uh, this question of um, what is at the earliest days of the church, unity or uniformity? We tell the Pentecost story as the birth of the church, correct? It's the, it's the place where the Spirit descends and 3,000 are added to their number, uh, and then they go about their business. Uh, they are uh, on fire, and they go forth from the Lord. What I find interesting, though, is there's actually two Pentecost moments in the book of Acts. This moment that we've been in for the last three weeks is where the Spirit comes to a group of Jews from various countries who have come to Jerusalem uh, for, the Pentecost, or for uh, Passover worship. And so we have a group uh, uniform in their um, understanding of uh, cultural existence and who they are, who have now received the Spirit and uh, then are baptized and come together and who uh, uh, break bread, who pray, who fellowship, and uh, who hold things together in common. And this is, like, this is like the ultimate high school missions trip. They have just received the Holy Spirit. They, they are all pointed in one direction, and they are super excited. School has not started back. Real life is not happening yet. And so it's easy for them to be both uniform and united, to exist as the people who are all the same and who are pointed in the same direction. 
This doesn't last long, though. Uh, pretty soon, we get uh, further down the book of Acts, and, and we get the stories of Paul and the Holy Spirit coming upon the Gentiles, the people who are not Jewish. And we quickly see that uniformity and unity is going to be the thing that the church is going to struggle with. Peter is wrestling with a deep sense of, uh, of, of his Jewishness and what does it mean to be God's people. And Paul is uh, wrestling with this deep sense of God has sent me to these people who are not Jewish. How do we bring these two together? And Peter gets his vision with, uh, from God and God says, don't you call unclean anything I've called clean. They go to Jerusalem and they ask James to intercede and decide, uh, you know, do uh, Gentiles have to become Jews in order to become Christians? Hey, James, uh, do all these folks have to eat kosher and do all these men have to get circumcised in order to be Christians? Because before they all were. Uh, when the first Pentecost falls and the Spirit comes upon uh, the Jews gathered for Passover, they are all Jews. But now they're not. And so the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon the Gentiles and the church wrestles with, how do we do this if we're different? And they ask something of both groups. Lay down your interests for one another. Seek ways to not cause each other to stumble. Here are a very uh, minor set of bounds of things you can't do. You can't eat temple-sacrificed food. You can't drink blood. Um, that's pretty much it. Otherwise, uh, seek ways not to harm those who are different than you. Seek ways to be united with those who you're not uniform with. You don't have to get circumcised, and you don't have to stop eating kosher. You can uh, eat pork if you want to. You can never eat pork, and that is okay. As long as you love one another and are united in your love of Christ. That's easier said than done, right? Done, right? You've, you've got this one group whose entire genealogy, I mean, if they did Ancestry.com, it would be all Hebrew all the time, the whole way back. And then you have this group who would be very much uh, no Hebrew in the, in the family tree coming together, uh, united in this new family of God. I've been struck this week that uh, the, the virtue is definitely unity. Uh, Christ, as he is preparing to go to the cross, and John, in chapter 17, he's praying to God right before he's arrested, and his prayer is this, God, as I am in you and you are in me and we are one, my prayer is that they would be us in us and that they would be one. We see this uh, lived out in the other Gospels as he says, uh, forget your biological family. Your new family are all of these who are united together in me. And somehow they hold together. It's messy and it's not easy. Every New Testament epistle has some version of everybody wants uniformity. How do we find unity? Every epistle has some version of, well, they said we got to do this, and you said we got to do that, so what is it? And at every turn, it is what you need to be is in Christ. At every turn, Paul or Peter or John or the, the author of the epistle of Hebrews, whomever, says, 
really what we have to do is set aside this desire for uniformity and instead find unity as we are solely directed at the direction Christ is leading us. Can I get a volunteer? All right, Amelia, can you, can you come down over here? Amelia is the foundation of church history now, all the way at the end, all the way at the end. Uh, we're roughly 33 AD, somewhere around the time of the death of Jesus. He has ascended on high, and we have uh, this question. Do you have to be Jews, or can you be Jews or Gentile? And the church holds together. Amelia represents this beautiful time where they did hard things and wrestled through hard things and loved one another even when they were mad at one another. And it stays like this for a thousand years. Can I get another volunteer? Come on, Hudson. Hudson's quick to volunteer. I'm remembering this now. So Hudson is getting us a thousand and fifty-four years uh, into the future. Right here, right here, right here. I need the other thousand years over here. Hint, there's going to be more volunteers. So we have this thousand years where the church says unity is a primary virtue. And friends, they had a bunch of disagreements during this time. This is the time where they're wrestling with things like, was Jesus just a spirit or was he a God-man? How was he human? How was he not? They are wrestling with deep stuff, and the church does not split from Amelia to Hudson. We get to Hudson, 1054 A.D., and the church has its first split. It's, it's got three or four different elements going on, but the, the primary one is this question of, in the Nicene Creed, we say, and we believe in the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And there's this great split at this point over where exactly the Holy Spirit comes from. And there's this one group that says, no, the Holy Spirit comes just from the Father, not from the Father and the Son. This is too important. And there's some other, like, church preference things they don't love, but we're going to split over this. And so we get the, what becomes the split of the church in the East and the West. Uh, the Orthodox Church kind of just carries along, and we have what we would uh, call the Catholic Church coming from here on down. And so we have our first major split, 1,054 years uh, of unity and wrestling together with lots of differences, lots of struggles, lots of concerns, lots of heresies to deal with, lots of infighting, Lots of letters from this bishop to that bishop, but they stay together. I need another volunteer. All right, page 12. Stand right here. All right, so you see the gap from Amelia to Hudson is substantial, right? The gap from Hudson to Page is not as substantial. It's about halfway, right? 500 years later, uh, the church has said, we didn't like that split. We're going to hang on. We're going to hang on. And the church really stays kind of calm in between here. And then we get to roughly 1500. We can, we, can twink, uh, we can mess with the dates and say who's going when and where, but there's different players. This is the point where we have two reformations. We have a Protestant reformation in the, uh, in the kind of the European continent, and, and there's deep wrestlings there. So we now have one group split off from, at this point, which, which, which is the, kind of the church, and they split off to do their thing. And then we have another group who's in England, who uh, wants to, the king wants to divorce his wife. Uh, and so he uh, says, we're going to split off too. And we have uh, kind of two more branches come off. I need, like, anybody who would like to volunteer, will you come stand here? Yeah, come on, come on. I need, I need more than two of you. Come on. No, you, you too. This is my point. This is my point. Camden, you come up here too. You come up here. Like, this is, I was hoping, like, all of you would come up here, but that, that's fine. 
Uh, once we get to this point, it becomes easier and easier and easier for the church to fracture and to pursue uniformity over unity. Once we uh, go, oh, okay, this is, this is our split point. This is where uh, we just can't deal with each other. It becomes easier and easier and easier. And so we need, uh, y'all know what fractals are? I think I'm using the right word. Is this the right word? Fractals is the word where you kind of split it every turn. If you look at a tree, you were taught how to draw a tree, right? You do a Y, and then you draw more Ys. That's the only kind of tree I can draw. I'm not Bob Ross. Um, but fractals happen all over the place, and it happens in the church. We go a thousand years with zero splits despite dogmatic discussions of the nature of God. We go 500 years without splits despite discussions of being an imperial religion as it takes over the rest of the world. And then, Katie bar the door, at every point we've got splits. You, can, you can't fit just the Methodist history on one piece of eight and a half by 11 and read the names of things that have split off since John Wesley started the church. Thank y'all, can you sit down? Unity uh, is hard. Uniformity is convenient. It's a lot easier to say, we're gonna just make sure we're all exactly alike and once we don't agree on something, we're gonna split again. Right? We know this from uh, our friendships. We know this from our social clubs. We know this from our high school cliques. We know this uh, from uh, church splits. We know this at every turn, that it's easier to just walk, think, and act alike. I'd like to suggest that, that it's not more virtuous, though. We see the ease of unity in the early church. But nowhere does that ever get lifted up as something that the church should not pursue. It's Jesus' desire from the church. It is uh, the New Testament author's desire for their churches. Uh, it is the uh, witness of the church throughout time that the desire is to stay together and to hold together in unity by doing some very particular things. Um, there's an argument about whether today's Acts text is descriptive or prescriptive. P-R-E or P-E-R? One of them. Prescriptive. It's definitely... I gotta drink a sip of water, Darren. Sorry. That's much better. I didn't, that wasn't going anywhere if I didn't drink that sip of water. Sorry. This text tells us that this is how they found to live in unity during this time when it was easy. They fellowshiped. They broke bread. And they prayed. They also sold everything they had and took care of each other, uh, which is, I'd argue is also prescriptive of this description. But we'll, we'll come back to that on a, a stewardship series. I've never done a stewardship series, but that, that's its thing. But this is the witness from Acts that is never let go of. It is the ideal that Christ described before his death. It is the uh, hope of Paul as he's talking to these churches he is wrestling with. It is uh, the vision of John of Patmos for the time when we reach uh, new creation, when heaven and earth come together, that we will all be focused solely on God. And friends, uh, I think unity is worth pursuing. It is worth uh, the hard work. I think uh, we can invite the Spirit of God uh, to give us a heart for unity, and He will. 
I watched a group get together yesterday morning and discuss the very future of our church, and I know folks came into that room in all sorts of different places and, and mindsets, and, uh, um, and I left um, more convinced than ever that the Spirit of God can give us a heart for unity uh, even when we can't imagine it. It's no secret that our denomination uh, is in uh, a bit of chaos. And it's easy uh, to flee from one another. Um, uniformity is easy. Unity is virtuous. I don't think it's going to be any easier than it was uh, when they wrestled about the very nature of God. I don't think it's going to be any easier than it was when they wrestled with uh, how the church uh, lives and functions. I don't think it's going to be any easier than when Wesley was trying uh, to reform the Church of England, uh, but I think it's worth it. This text was not uh, the story of a thing uh, from bygone ages. Uh, it's the beginning of what God's heart was for the church. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, some days it is easy uh, to find unity. Some days it is easy to uh, find our hearts and minds and lives aligned in the same exact direction. And some days it's just so much easier to seek uniformity. Would you work in a mighty way in our hearts, Lord? And would you fill us with your grace and with your spirit that we might uh, do the hard, week, hard work of seeking unity? Would you uh, show us what it is to be, uh, to be solely uh, united in our desire to love you and to love others, to, uh, to care for one another in the midst of differences and disagreements, to uh, seek after you uh, together uh, and to be the very body of Christ in the world? We love you and praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.